Hi, this is Ann Doherty, and you're listening to another special episode of Current as we head into what is now week eight under COVID-19 shelter-in-place orders. We hope everyone out there is staying healthy, staying safe, staying sane um, as you engage in either another week out in the world or, you know, working from home like me on um, this Monday afternoon. Um, On this week's podcast, uh, we're actually previewing a virtual focus group that we're holding Thursday, where we'll interview influential leaders uh, in residential and commercial real estate in Arizona. We received emails from some of you out there who wanted to know how COVID-19 will impact property management and development, and more importantly, how utilities and program administrators can support these actors as they meet the needs of their commercial and multifamily clients. This week's focus group hopes to answer those questions where we'll be joined by folks representing master planned communities, large apart, excuse me, large apartment portfolios, as well as commercial real estate, retail and restaurant development. In all, our panelists represent over 1 billion in investment properties in the greater Tucson area, but most importantly, they represent places that families call home and entrepreneurs call their dreams. So really this webinar well focused on property managers and um, those who oversee various forms of real estate holdings and development is ultimately a discussion on how do we support each other through this moment of COVID-19. So as we were planning for this webinar, I thought what a better way to set the stage for Thursday's focus group than to invite my friend Ben with the APEX team at Keller Williams. Um, ben has been um, a wonderful uh, landlord to us as a property manager for the Alum's downtown office, but has also um, supported my family in some renovation work at our own home. Um, and at his work at Apex, uh, Ben drives a wide range of projects from residential new construction to commercial real estate development. Uh, ben graduated from the University of Arizona, where he received his undergraduate degree in accounting in 2011 and his law degree in 2014. And as you'll hear, Ben um, has his hands in a number of things at Apex and specializes in business formation and organizational work and has also has experience in tax law. Ben's also a real estate agent. Um, and like most Tucsonans, uh, he has a great love of the outdoors and spending time outdoors. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk with you today. Yeah, same, same. Uh, so before we get started on uh, my you know, in-depth questions for you, I'd love to start by having you tell us all, um, our listeners, a little bit more about yourself and your role at Apex. Sure, sure. So I am the founder and CEO of Apex Real Estate Network. Uh, We uh, specialize in single family and multifamily management, acquisition and construction development here in Tucson, Arizona. So we have about 360 properties that we manage everything from single family homes up to 30 to 60 unit apartment complexes. Um, Work very much hands on with investors and kind of building tailored portfolios to help them accomplish their real estate investment goals. Great. Uh, And can you tell me a little bit more about your team at Apex? Uh, Who do you work with day in and day out in addition to your investors? Can you give me an example of a few of the the projects you're working on just to give folks a feel of uh, what your work looks like day to day? Yeah, so we, uh, our specialty is uh, full remodels of uh, single family homes, uh, turning like a thousand square foot, two bed, one bath home into a 
2,000 to 2,500 square foot, five bed, three bath property, um, fully taking it down to the studs and rebuilding it. So very, uh, very involved on the construction side, both with employees on our, in our construction company and then third party subcontractors. Um, and <clears throat> so, so that's a space that we're heavily involved in. And then we do uh, apartment complex renovations. So right now we're working on a 60 unit and a 30 unit full remodel renovation of apartment complexes, basically updating kitchens, bathrooms, flooring, and then exteriors. Um, so that, that's one aspect. And then the other core component of our company is property management. And so we're very involved in the day-to-day -day with tenant interactions and leasing, rent collection, service work orders, um, <clears throat> and then third-party vendors in that space as well. So we primarily were, we, we coordinate and facilitate um, getting people to job sites to handle either renovation needs or tenant needs and properties that are already leased out. Got it, thank you, that's really helpful. So you have your hands in many aspects of the business that are also operating on, in many ways, both sides, the development and the service side of the business. Sure. Um, if we were to like, step back from, from all of this, you know, we're in what, as I mentioned earlier, week eight uh, under COVID-19 shelter-in-place orders throughout most of the country and certainly um, here in Tucson. Um, we'd love to know just how COVID-19 has impacted your work so far. What are you seeing as, as the primary impacts for you all? Yeah, you know, the first couple of weeks, it was all safety related and then kind of the regulations around the safety measures that were being put in place and just spending time understanding that. So that was the bulk kind of on the front end for us was just to kind of get our arms around, okay, what does this mean for our company? Are we able to continue to show properties or not? Even if we are, do we want to? Um, do we want to continue working on the construction projects? Which projects are essential and need to move forward? Uh, construction was designated an essential service. So balancing that, balancing team members who some had elderly family at home and weren't comfortable coming into work. So how do we work with them? How are we good stewards and employers for them? Um, and then the flip side is managing tenant interactions, managing investor relations and interactions. Um, and that's really taken up the bulk of the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've had quite a few projects delayed. We've had multiple tenants that we're working with on payment plans and making sure that they have uh, some schedule to get rent payments in while uh, we understand that they've lost their job and we want to be work with them as much as possible. So it's been a lot of just trying to make best of the situation that we're in and, and really figure out how we should approach it as a company and, and uh, what the best measures are to keep everybody safe and healthy. Well, that sounds like an incredible amount of work. So thank you for taking the time to connect with us. You're, you must be exhausted. I'm, I'm sort of tired listening to all of the things you have on your hands. I can only imagine. Um, as, we, as you think about the, you know, the current state, how long do you think these impacts that you're experiencing and the things that you're managing are, are going to continue as we look into say the next month or the end of this year? In other words, um, what are you planning for at this point as you think about your business in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's still a lot of unknowns. And so we're, you know, we've kind of 
we started out, we were coming up with plans for everything. And then it was, it was so overwhelming. We uh, were trying to come up with a plan if we open next week, a plan if we open in a month. And, and so we've taken a step back. And what we're really trying to do right now is just stay agile. Uh, you know, are we going to be open on the 15th? That seems like it's the current um, uh, guidelines from the governor here in Arizona, but it could easily extend another 15 days. You know, we were ready to open up on the first and it got extended, uh, I think on the 28th that that order came out. So we're just trying to stay agile, put health and safety first, business operations uh, second, you know, it's a close second. We still do have to run a business. We have to keep our, our employees employed and keep uh, ensuring our investors are, you know, we're, we're taking care of them all as we manage COVID moving forward. Um, but I, I think in short, there's definitely going to be impacts, uh, but we're not exactly sure where they're going to come from. You know, rent collections, there are going to be challenges there. You can't have the level of unemployment that we have and not see some type of impact from rent collections, which will flow all the way through to the investors. Um, so, you know, that's a place that we spend a lot of time making sure we understand the financial situation of each of our investors and helping them navigate and manage expectations of cash flow over the next six months. Um, and then a big one for us is, is on the leasing side. You know, we're, we have so many interactions with tenants and prospective tenants. So shifting to a tech, no, technology platform that allows us to do a lot of our leasings or showings remotely through virtual tours has been a, a big push for us that allows us, regardless if we're open in two months or two weeks, um, we have our properties that are coming available that we can show and we can lease up in the safest way possible. So those are some of the different ways that we're approaching it. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you exactly where we're going to be in six months, um, but we're going to be ready to take it on head on when it, when it gets here. That's really interesting. You've shared so many considerations from the vantage point of your business. And I love that you all are innovating and, you know, developing this additional service, which will probably benefit you even outside of COVID, even if things, you know, go back to business as usual, you know, this virtual touring option, which makes everyone's lives easier. I think it will probably, I'm guessing, save you all a lot of time in your engagements with um, prospective tenants or lessees. Uh, you know, as we are, um, oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was just agreeing with you. I think, I think it's a huge value add and it's, a, it's one of the positives coming out of this is it, uh, the efficiencies that we're gaining in some of these spaces like showings for, for tenants through virtual tours. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm curious to see it. I can't wait to, um, to see this platform that you've developed. Uh, for those of our listeners who aren't aware of the market that you're working in, um, we're in Tucson, Arizona, and Tucson is a, a huge college town. Last Thursday, we heard from the University of Arizona's president, Dr. Robbins, who announced that uh, the in-person classes will take place come fall of 2020. I've also heard numbers from uh, folks on the Board of Regents for uh, Arizona's um, uh, system that have suggested that maybe as many as 30% of students may not return come fall. Uh, you all have quite a few houses and, and properties near the University of Arizona that might serve students, faculty, and staff. Do you have any um, thoughts or considerations uh, around how you're managing that uncertainty with this, with this large, um, both employer and um, you know, university system that that is, has some uncertainty itself? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the majority of the properties that we have around the university are single family homes. And those appeal typically to juniors and seniors as well as grad students. And so the, the market that we're looking at and, and trying to prepare for and, and attract are um, either upper level uh, underclassmen or graduate students. Um, about a week to two weeks into COVID um, kind of taking hold of the country, uh, tenants who were looking at s signing leases at our properties started to question, okay, what if school does not come back? What if university is virtual come August? Our leasing cycle, we start leasing for August as early as November of the prior year. So we're leasing for the next semester, school semester all the way back in November. Um, wow. So quite a few, about 70% of our properties were already leased before any mention of COVID. Um, but we needed to secure leases for that remaining 20 to 30%. And so the way we approached it was offering a termination of lease if the U of A does not have in-person classes coming come August. So it was a relief for us to hear that we are going to have in-person classes. I've heard that maybe some of the general elective classes will remain virtual to keep smaller classrooms. Um, I, I don't know where that stands currently. Uh, <clears throat> I... I really can't speak articulately to the number of students that are going to come or not. I would be simply guessing. What I would say is that I think if you're a junior or senior, you're probably going to come back for your last year or your last two years more so than maybe a freshman um, coming to school. So the ripple effects for us may not even be felt for another two years potentially. Um, most freshmen, they're living in the dorms or they're living in the new towers that are built. <clears throat> you kind of go dorms to the student towers and then, okay, it's time to take school seriously, junior year, let's move into a house with some people that I know and really start kind of buckling down and studying. So the, the impact of this could really last even up to three, four years for us um, as the enrollment drops and from the enrollment dropping, you know, it kind of trickles through. So we're still kind of watching closely and actively. It was a relief to hear that we're going to be back in, in session, but hearing 30% of students may not return to school, it's definitely going to create challenges for us across the board. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I, um, you, you touched on something in what you were saying that is worth a follow-up question, which is these very long-term effects that you're anticipating. So you talked about the ripple effects of students not returning being felt two to four years out. Are there other effects that you're anticipating along a much longer time horizon based on what you're experiencing now? It's hard to say. I mean, about 60% of our portfolio are single family homes. We actually feel that may be advantageous to us um, just as people want to move out of a more communal environment and have a little bit more uh, seclusion. So, so that could be a, a benefit. Um, it's just so hard for us to know, you know, things are changing so drastically day by day to really be able to speak to what, what the impacts are going to be long term. Uh, other than there, there's definitely going to be uh, probably uh, less demand across all asset classes. And so that's going to be something that we have to be remain competitive and, and really, you know, go out and earn, earn the tenants business um, much more so than maybe in the past. Mm. So along those lines, uh, we are seeing some innovation in the marketplace, specifically as businesses are anticipating the economic slowdown that will ultimately affect 
housing and property management. And one of the things that have, has come forward are, are residential developers finding ways to liquidate their inventory or move towards lease to own properties as a, a way of um, mitigating risk or to identify other forms of financial partnerships. Have you looked at anything like that? Are you exploring any forms of innovation along those lines? So maybe if I can ask a clarifying question. So you're, you're referring to owners of property rather than renting, they're turning to a lease to own model to attract prospective leasey slash buyers, is that? Co correct, and, and also to manage your risk as a holder of, of that property. Yeah, I, so interest rates are at historic lows and there are still quite, I mean, to for a credit worthy buyer to secure a mortgage, it is still, um, it, it's not very challenging. It's not, not that difficult to do. So I'm not sure, we, under the, lease to own model, typically what you're doing is you're taking a less credit worthy individual and providing them a financing source. Those individuals typically don't have much in terms of a down payment. So you're giving them a purchase option on the property um, and, and really not receiving adequate compensation for doing so given their credit risk. Um, so I'm not sure how that's helping them liquidate inventory or really providing them much value. If, if the banks aren't, who are backed by the government to provide mortgages aren't willing to lend to these people, I, I, I don't know that as, a, as an investor making those loans, you know, every certain situation is going to be different, but just kind of in general, I'm not sure that that's really uh, uh, providing value to the, the investors moving their inventory, especially with unemployment where it's adding these individuals potentially even losing their jobs. So I, I don't know that I'm answering your question exactly. Maybe you can clarify for me, but I, I see, I find it hard to, to see how that's helping investors. No, that, that makes total sense. And it's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, as um, we think about other aspects of your business, um, do you see any types of investments that were happening, such as investments in energy efficiency or solar storage that maybe aren't, aren't happening now? Or is there any pullback that you're seeing in the market for those types of investments or upgrades? I mean, I think pretty much across the board, what we've seen um, really within the first week to two weeks of, of the start of COVID in the U.S. was any investment that did not uh, produce immediate um, returns was being placed on hold. So if it's a capital expenditure with a long amortization, which solar would kind of fall into that category, it's being placed on hold right now because, you know, maintaining um, that the liquidity is so critical in the uncertainty uh, with with the uncertainty of rent collection and, and ability to place tenants. And so across the board for many of our construction projects that we had for third party clients and then internally, we, we looked and said, okay, which which projects do we need to either complete and get to market immediately? And what, what do those look like? So those go in one bucket. And then which projects are more long-term, they provide value to the overall property, but it's not an immediate return on investment those need to all be placed on hold. And we don't know if that hold is eight weeks, four weeks, or a year. And so I, I think that very many, many investors are, are placing any projects they can on hold just to, until they get a better understanding of where, 
where we're going to be in six months. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Are you seeing a, a similar trend among those, say, individuals, for example, who might be hiring you for for projects that maybe not as part of your investment portfolio, but say, for you know, a single family retrofit or a, a build out? Have you noticed any shifts in the behavior of um, those prospective clients? Absolutely. Yeah, we've had a, a few kitchen bathroom models placed on hold. Those are just your, your standard homeowner looking to upgrade their property. And, and it's kind of twofold. One, they don't want a bunch of people in their house and any type of renovation project, you're going to have to have multiple trades in the property. Um, we had one client ask us, hey, can you just have one guy come do this? And it's like, this is a $50,000 kitchen. We can't, it, it's not a one person job. Um, and, and so there's that element of it. Of, hey, I still want to move forward on this, but I want to wait until we get a better understanding of the health ramifications of COVID. And then mm -hmm. we've had quite a few people who have been furloughed or laid off from their from their jobs, and they're just, hey, I have to put this on hold. They they have retainers or deposits, and we've tried to work with customers as much as possible. Of we understand that it is a challenging situation for everyone. You know, typically, if you place the job on hold that we were going to start, you would forfeit your your deposit um, because it's really putting our construction company in financial hardship as far as we were scheduled to do this job. We didn't take other work as a result. Um, but we're trying to be as accommodating as possible and letting clients know, you know, you can apply this towards the future project when you're ready to get it started. So um, it's both a health concern and then a financial concern for a lot of a lot of clients. Sounds like it. And as, as you're thinking about your multi-unit holdings, so where you are serving as a landlord, for lack of a better term, uh, how is this impacting that? I know we talked a bit about um, leasing and, and needing to um, sort of defer, put uh, folks on rent payment plans. So are you thinking about uh, those holdings differently now with respect to um, looking to say utilities or other service providers to provide you with relief as you're managing relief for your for your uh, tenants let's say i mean that would be a huge help right the, what we've tried to do is take a stance that the relief that we're getting we try to flow as much through to our clients or our tenants as, as possible and so any type of collaboration there where we can help tenants who are in challenging financial situations work through this, we would be very, uh, very excited about exploring. Um, for us, you know, the, the, the approach we've taken is for tenants just to communicate with us, let us know where you're at, let us know what's going on, and then we will try to provide as much assistance and help as possible. Um, one, communicating with the owners of the property, right? As a property manager, we're an intermediary. So it's, it's ultimately we have to, our fiduciary duty is to the owner of the property, but we try to communicate and work collaboratively to find solutions for both the tenant and the owner. We also are trying to give resources to tenants for ways that they can maybe get rent assistance to help them over, you know, the next couple months uh, until they can get back on their feet. So the more tenants communicate with us, the more we can help them. Uh, we've had a few who have just been non-communicative and that's been a challenge, but for the most part, the tenants who are in financial distress have been reaching out to us and we're, we're working with them and the owners, you know, one of the cool things about, I don't wanna say cool, that's probably not the right word, but one of the inspiring things about the reaction to COVID is our investors who are financially in a position that they can lend some help have been 
first uh, have been very much um, receptive towards providing rent credits to tenants or helping them delaying or wiping off past due balances um, to, to help them get back on their feet. And, and that's been awesome to see uh, from the uh, landlord perspective of, you know, I'm financially myself, my family is okay. I'm, we can waive this rent. I understand this, this tenant is in financial hardship. Let's help them out. So we're seeing that. And if we could get some help from the utility companies as well, that would be, you know, just another, another benefit in, in this. That's really inspiring. I'm glad you brought that up then, because I think that there is this, this new feeling of we're all in this together. And it's interesting to see how that's played out at all of these different levels of really our whole country is responding to this virus and trying to figure out a way forward. Uh, you know, I want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier that I think would be of interest to our listeners, which is, uh, you know, connecting this idea of you connecting them to information that might help them. If you were to think about sources of information or materials or hotlines, it could be anything that um, would be of use for you, um, that maybe your local utility or an energy program uh, provider could deliver. Is there something that, that might be valuable that would assist you in communicating with tenants and helping them get support so that perhaps their, their rent payment isn't a thing that they're not paying? Yeah, so so just to, to clarify, you're asking, you know, what platform can the utility companies provide information to help tenants with their utility payments? Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah, or help, or help you help them. You know, are there certain materials or pieces of information that would be of use to you as you're thinking about supporting your tenants or when you're in these conversations? So our primary uh, mode of communication is through an online portal similar to an email. Um, so web page or a landing page that has the resources that the utility company is able to provide to tenants, um, you know, a, a quick access to that would be extremely beneficial. Um, I think one of the challenges with utility companies, at least that I've experienced here in Tucson, is they have antiquated systems. They're hard to navigate and hard to understand. And so the easier and simpler that the, the information can be, provided to a tenant through a link, through a one-click link, here's the information, here's how to, to gain access to these, these programs would be, would be uh, awesome, awesome uh, to be able to have access to. And that's great. It's good to hear. And that sounds like something that's quite actionable. So Ben, many of our utility clients are interested in understanding how they can support folks like yourself. So what kinds of information or materials might they be able to provide to help you in your communications with tenants? You know, I think we really want to focus on the end user, which is the tenants and providing as much help to them as possible, right? So if we look at how do we solve this problem for landlords, it really, if the tenants are able to make their payments or the majority of their payments, there's no real assistance that the landlords are going to need, right? And so it's really figuring out how can we work with the tenants who are on fixed income budgets who are potentially not going to receive, you know, paychecks for four weeks or eight weeks until we're back up and running. What can we do for them collectively to, to help them get through this? Because in turn, that should flow through to the landlords. Um, you know, if we're, the goal is to keep tenants in their properties, any way that we can push portion of those utility payments 
to credits towards the landlord's maybe overall utilities would be another way that could potentially help most multi-unit properties. There's landlord paid utilities and then tenant paid utilities. So any breaks or credits that landlord utility companies can provide to landlords would also be welcome and helpful. But I think the primary is focus, help the tenants, put more money in the tenants' pockets, and, and that's going to you know help the, the whole ecosystem of, of the real real estate um, community. That's really uh, helpful to hear. Thank you, Ben. And I, I like that framing. It's just how, how can we help uh, these end users and really collectively work towards that common goal of keeping people in their homes, really, is essentially what you're saying. Is there anything else you'd like to say or any um, other comments you'd like to provide um, that maybe we haven't touched on or information you think would be valuable for people to know and understand about your work right now? You know, I think it's awesome to hear that the utility companies are trying to find ways that they can step up and can provide value as well. I would say it really, it all comes down to ease of use. So when we're looking at trying to solve this problem, uh, people in my position, we're getting bombarded with ways to help and um, different ways that uh, we can, can provide benefits to our tenants or to our landlords but they're pretty challenging to decipher and kind of cut through and, and understand, you know, whether it's government regulation or mortgage forbearance from, from lenders, the, the easier and the simpler you can make the process. Uh, I think the more receptive uh, the, we would be to utilizing anything that's being offered. Um, so that, that would be the one thing I would focus on ease of use and speed. How do we make it easy? How do we make it quick? Um, and how do we help the tenants? If we're helping the tenants, we're going to help everybody. That's great. I love that. And it's so concrete and straightforward. It's incredibly helpful. And I'm sure our listeners are going to find that really helpful as well. Well, Ben, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. This conversation has given me and, and all of those listening a, a really great sense of how we can better support your industry and um, also some things that... Um, that we'll be covering in a webinar that we're having later this week that I hope you're able to listen in on. Um, so thank you again. Thank you for joining. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate it. Yeah, great. And hopefully we'll be having more. And I, I'm hoping you and I can touch base on the other side of this and have a retrospective conversation. You know, what did we learn now that we are all out of out of this COVID moment. And I hope that time comes soon, really soon for us all. Um, so for those of you listening, please tune in for our virtual focus group that we're going to have later this week as we talk with property managers and developers this Thursday, May 7th at 12 Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific. This episode of Current was created by Illum's production team. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. And we'll see you next time.